Thank you for listening. This is Israel Rebound, a podcast joining listeners around the world to Israel, exploring the ties that bind us through culture, identity, and current events. I'm Alan Potash in California, and I'm joined with my co-host and friend, Liz Felstrin in Jerusalem. Liz, how are you? Hi, Alan. I'm good. How are you? Good, good. You survived the Passover holiday? I did. There was so much matzah eaten in this household. You do not want to even know, but I survived. Yes. After sweeping the floor in our house, I accumulated enough crumbs to (laughs) match at least a piece of matzah. So I understand what it's like with a household of kids. Um, But yeah, we had uh, actually this year we had one box of matzah left over. We could have used it because this year, for the first time, we finished the like five pound box and needed to run out and buy a little bit more. Does the price of matzah go up towards the end of Passover or does it go down in Israel? I'm not sure that the price of matzah changes, but certainly when you run out to the corner store and want to buy just one of the plastic packages that is normally inside of a much larger box, that does cost a pretty penny, a pretty <laughs> shekel in this case, I guess. Um, well, at least you're able to find uh, some matzah to survive the last couple of days. Now, I have to say, you know, in Israel, you you don't observe Passover for the full length that we do in the States. So you got off a little easier. Or you observe it too long. I don't know. <laughs> I believe. I believe. Yes, we do have one it, last day. I believe we observe it a little too long. but. <laughs> Uh, I, can tell by, I can tell by my anxiety at, towards the end of Passover. I really feel that um, as we conclude Passover, I, I feel liberated, as our cousins and family members did when they left Egypt. But that's a metaphor. Uh, lots of things to talk about. We'll forego this week of talking about demonstrations and politics and democracy, because the next 10 days are days of um, mourning and of celebration in Israel. We have Yom HaShoah, uh, Yom HaZikaron, and Yom HaTzma'ut. All three, I believe, are significant days of uh, commemoration and observance in Israel, different than they are around the world. Um, any insights that you have? You want to first start with Yom HaShoah, which is this week? Yep, yeah, sure. I am... Um... Yeah, I mean, I certainly agree with calling them significant days here in Israel. You know, to start off with, of course, we have the sirens that sound throughout the entire country. Um, first on the morning of Yom HaShoah, and it'll be repeated again uh, at the start and the night of Yom HaZikaron and again the following morning. Um, and... It's a, you know, it's a moment when everybody in Israel hears that siren and has to, for most people, it's not a hard decision, but has to decide, you know, how to respond, right? One stands, one thinks about it, one, you know, reaches out to the Holocaust survivors around you, of which luckily we still have quite a large number here in Israel. Um, There are over 147,000 Holocaust survivors in Israel. Do you you know, I mean, that's a really good 
number, and I'm glad they're they're still alive. Do we have any information on how many came to Israel and have made Israel their home? What was the starting number? Do we know that? You mean like in 48? Right, right. That's an interesting question. I do not know how many came in 48. No, I mean, certainly many, many more than that. Um, It's a good question. I do know that in the past year, um, a little more than 500 Holocaust survivors have come from Ukraine because of the war in Ukraine and have made Israel their home. So the trend and trajectory of Holocaust survivors coming to Israel continues to this day. Uh, Obviously, it's a very different enterprise to move to Israel and figure out how to make that work when you are, you know, 85 plus than what it looked like for people to come, young people in their 20s and and build a country as they did in the 40s. How how were those 500 people greeted or welcomed in Israel? Was there a special acknowledgement of them? Uh, So I would say two things, I guess. Um, You know, in general, Israel has tried to do right by uh, Jews coming from Ukraine. And Israel is very much set up to welcome immigrants in general, right? There is a system in place of subsidies and welcoming people and job support and home support. Um, There are those who will tell you it's never enough. Um, and and they're not wrong, right? It's it's very difficult to help someone make a new life in a new country with a new language and all of that. Um, but I think that objectively, Israel's doing pretty well. Um, and on top of that, in a lot of ways, Holocaust survivors also have a very extensive um social welfare system in Israel. I think last year, something like, if I don't know, five and a half billion shekels went specifically just to take care of those survivors living in Israel. Um, and as the survivor population ages, all of those services have changed and adapted to meet their needs. For example, now, as part of the regular um social safety net holocaust survivors are entitled to get nearly every service they might need in their home um right? and that's not like an extra that's just what one is entitled to by virtue of being a holocaust survivor in israel so whatever medical services or mm, support services they might need comes comes right to them i i think israel uh, particularly in the past decade, maybe it should have started sooner, but particularly in the past decade, has taken very seriously the idea that there are only so many years left with so many survivors, and we want people to be able to live out those years in, in dignity. Uh, I mean, there were there were significant protests before that of survivors, speaking of protests in Israel, right? We, we have a lot of them, um, but of survivors who felt that they were not being taken care of by the country. You have survivors that are living in poverty. You have elderly people living in poverty in Israel in general. 
right? Something like 20% of elderly people in Israel are living in poverty. So of course that includes Holocaust survivors as well. Um, but by and large, the system exists and is, you know, trying to take care of people. Well, it's it's good to hear that. I know that in the work that I've done in the past uh, for fundraising efforts, that creating funds for uh, senior living apartments in Israel, uh, primarily for survivors, is something very important to the greater diaspora Jewish world, making sure that those services and housing needs are met. Let me ask you a, a general question. So you said there are 147,000 survivors still living in Israel. Do they do a, a counter number of how many have passed away in the past year, or how do we keep track of those survivors? Um, there are numbers of how many pass away each year. I, uh, I don't know off the top of my head what the number is. But uh, but there is a pretty you know um, clear pattern you know it gets the number goes up a little bit each year because of course as a whole the group of survivors is aging, um, but yeah I mean it's I'm sure it's you know more than a thousand Holocaust survivors in Israel pass away each year. And the age range today of survivors. The age range today um, would start from about the age of 76. Israel recognizes as Holocaust survivors people who were uh, in utero when the war ended. So people who were born shortly after the war um, can also be considered Holocaust survivors. And the oldest are over 100 years old. We have Holocaust survivors. I am, yep, older than 100. So there, so there is a range, right? And that range in age, of course, also means there is a range in needs. Um, there are a range of locations, right? Largest Holocaust survivor community in Israel is in Haifa, I believe, followed by Tel Aviv, Jerusalem, and then spread okay. out in other places as well. But yes, Haifa is a, I, I a nation of Holocaust survivors. I didn't realize that. Why is that? Do you know? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if it has to do with what industries were popular in the, you know, early years of the country. Um, or if people were getting off the boat in Haifa and stayed there. I don't know. The whole immigration of survivors or yeah, survivors of World War II of the Shoah uh, prior to Israel being established as a country, uh, you know, from 45, 46, 47, 48, uh, the British kind of controlled that immigration. And it was not a good, not an easy time period for somebody to become an immigrant in Israel. Uh, that's a whole nother conversation we could have about Cyprus and how um, the British government kind of controlled how many Jews could come into Israel following the war. Yeah, absolutely. And the immigration numbers, you know, in those years before the establishment of the state, obviously, was relatively low. And yeah. then in 1948, sort of the gates opened. And that's when you have the very big numbers of Holocaust survivors coming. Yeah, it's a it's a interest. It's an interest. It's a very sad evolution to survive the Shoah and then not be granted citizenship in in the place where you want to be. 
Um, I guess this is the time of year to rewatch Exodus if anybody <laughs> has six hours on their hands and hasn't watched it in a few years, right? Yeah, uh, that's a good point. Um, or go back and read Leon Uris's book. Uh, mm. The so many so many questions to come from the the founding of the state of Israel, which leads us into one of the other yoms coming up next week, and that's uh, Yom Ha'atzma'ut, Israel's seventy fifth. Uh, year of existence as a country led in by the League of Nations, by the UN. Um, and I'm rereading uh, the biography of um, uh, David Ben-Gurion and kind of going through that time period again in my head. And then recently I started reading another book uh, by Daniel Gordas that just came out last week that kind of looks at the Declaration of Independence of the country and what what has worked and what hasn't worked. So leading up to the 75th anniversary of Israel's modern birth, what do you see going on in Israel? You know, I I I find myself thinking about that number of 75 years and I can't decide whether it sounds like a little or a lot. You know? <laughs> I mean, we we always say Israel's a pretty young country. And it is compared to some others, right? Even the United States, which is certainly not the oldest of countries, is what, 250, 247, whatever it is right now? I am. And that's a big difference. But on the other hand, 75 sounds like a pretty respectable age, right? 75 isn't a baby. Um, and I think that Israel is very much in that place of, in some ways, being young and still figuring things out. Um, but on the other hand, there are some things that Israel has already figured out and can be very proud of itself and other things that it probably should have figured out by now, but are still a work in progress. Um, and that's uh, also maybe a fitting description for where the country is right now. Right, we said that we weren't going to dwell too much this week on the judicial reform and related protests, but I do think that those will have an impact slash color the way that people feel about Yomatsmu this year in Israel. Um, usually. Yomatmut is a holiday which is totally in the consensus amongst Jewish Israelis, right? I mean, think about 4th of July. Everybody likes the 4th of July. Why wouldn't you? It's a very happy holiday. It's the founding of the country. Um, but you know, when the country is in a place of tension, about what it will look like going forward and who will decide that. I um, I think I think that people will be thinking about that on this Yomat's mood. I hope it will still be a very happy celebratory day, but it's a bit well, different. I, I hope so too, because I'm 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 gonna be there. So you <laughs> will report back directly of how it feels. Uh, Is 75 I... a lot or a little? In the 80s, I you know enjoyed every year that I lived in Israel celebrating Yomatsmo both in Jerusalem and in Tel Aviv. And it kind of reminded me of the chaos of Purim, 
people just wandering around uh, making fun of things uh, and enjoying, mm-hmm. enjoying but with wanna, more meat yeah. perhaps <laughs> I want to I want to go back to a, a, a couple of things that uh, we just talked about I want to digress and we're gonna we'll talk about it at another time but in our earlier one of our earlier podcasts we talked about the comment that uh, Prime Minister Naftali Bennett made about a year and a half two years ago that uh, Israel is approaching one of the longest periods of its reign of its leadership uh, that hasn't lasted more than 80 years and he cautioned the country to be mindful of the fact that the two previous periods of uh, Israeli reign you know lasted 180 years and 176 years so he cautioned people to be mindful of that and so we're approaching the 75th year you talked about the turmoil that's going on in Israel uh is that on people's minds that uh, maybe Israel's existence is is uh being challenged right now I think that people do realize that there is a very real challenge right now in Israel I'm not sure how much stock one would really put into the idea that, you know, because a certain historical pattern happened before, that means we are doomed to experience it again, right? I mean, as Jews, we kind of got to believe that history doesn't always have to repeat itself. We've had a rough history. And (laughs) if we don't think that there can be brighter days ahead, that's rough. Um. But we so, are we are a hopeful people. That's we are a hopeful people. National anthem. And just because it's the took us till the third try, you know, they say third time's a charm. Let us, you know, hope that the fact that other times we couldn't figure it out for more than eighty years, now we we will. Doesn't mean it'll be without its challenges, but um, I, I don't feel like we are eminently headed to complete and total destruction. I hope nobody else does either. I, I don't. I feel optimistic and uh, I feel that uh, the world is actually on Israel's side, although we have many, there are many detractors for Israel's existence, but I think for the most part, Israel has become a viable player on the world stage. We're leaving out one Yom. Uh, so we've talked about Yom HaShoah, Yom HaTzma'ud, and then there's the solemn Yom Hazikaron that occurs prior to Yom Hatzma'ud, and that's the Memorial Day for fallen soldiers. And it's really a very solemn uh, day. And also, again, we talk about the siren that goes off for Yom HaShoah. There's also the siren that goes off uh, for Yom Hazikaron. Yeah. And Yom Hazikaron is both the day of remembrance for fallen soldiers and for victims of terror which means that this year, having had, you know, a number of recent terror attacks, um, we have these very new members of what in Israel is called Mishpahata Shchol, the family of, uh, of, of, of loss, but that kind of loss that you have lost a, a person. I don't know how you translate that really in English. I am, and I'm sure that is something that will be talked about. You know, the just to say a few words about the feel maybe of of Yom Hazikaron in Israel. I mean, every radio station has a completely different, you know, 
set list for the day. It will only be sad songs about uh, people lost in wars of Israel or written by people who lost their lives fighting for Israel. Um, The television stations will only have that kind of content and it will run all day long. Um, There are specific stories, people talking about their brother, their sister, their fiance, their you know, whomever that they lost and the circumstances around it, how they found out when they found out. Um, It's a very heavy day to be surrounded with those stories all day. Um, And to know that in a country this small, you know, most people have at some level or another that kind of a story. Everyone who grew up in Israel served in the army. I am. And so it's, you know, it's hard to find anybody that hasn't been personally touched by that kind of loss. And that is very much how the day feels very, very personal and very, uh, I mean, heavy probably isn't the right word, but that's the one that comes to mind. Well, it is heavy and it's, um, I'm honored to be able to be in Israel this year for Yom HaZikaron and Yom HaTzma'ut. And I know that you and I will probably try to do a, a live recording <laughs> like we did in September. I don't know where we'll, where we both will be on Sunday uh, when we record, but I know that we'll be to, together uh, with your husband and my my wife for dinner on one evening. And maybe we can do a, a family conversation. <laughs> Maybe a mini one. We won't subject them to a whole podcast. Um, Liz, thank you very much for your insight and thoughts today. And you feel like you want to take us out of our podcast today? I I will say thank you to everyone for listening to Israel Rebound, which is our podcast connecting Israel to those elsewhere. And we hope everyone has a meaningful Holocaust Remembrance Day. Israel Remembrance Day and Israel Independence Day, and I wish you very safe travels. Thank you, Liz. Thank you, everybody.